the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. What a beautiful day here in Cleveland, Ohio. This is why we live here. <laughs> the other, you know, 300 days worth rotten uh, is not the reason we live here. But anyway, let's start off uh, thinking positively. And uh, I thought I'd use Winston Churchill today. Next week, I'm going to use some ladies, I think. Uh, the inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of the blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the equal sharing of miseries. <laughs> uh, there we go. Dangers gather upon our path. We cannot afford. We have no right to look back. We must look forward. That was uh, right before uh, the war. Uh, and then he talks about politics. In politics, when you are in doubt what to do, do nothing. When you're in doubt what to do, what, in doubt what to say, say what you really think. And he said that, uh, I believe that was in 1905 when he was a very young man. Anyway, uh, look, I, I, I want to talk about a couple things here, and uh, things are available to you. Uh, if you go to WHK 1420 AM, uh, go to local podcasts, down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and you go right to my webpage. We have the Business Owner's Guide to Transition. If you're going to sell a business, you know, that, there you go. The Family Inventory Workbook, the credit uh the savvy investors credit access line uh workbook i think those are great ideas look you as an independent businessman if you're if you own your own business out there google just borrowed money at 0.73 percent less than a percentage point for 15 years people lent them the money okay with a credit access line now you know you're 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 borrowing against your stock portfolio, but we don't let you get crazy with like with margin accounts, but you can borrow for two or three percent. All right. It's a great idea for you small businesses who have good sized portfolios to borrow against. You know, it's a time when you need the money. It's also a time when interest rates are the lowest they've been in history in America. What a good idea. Anyway. If you go to my webpage, also, there's two points. Uh, you know, they have Bob Dickey's report right uh, under uh, bulletin board every morning. Bob's our head technician. He, he, he Sometimes if you see things, you understand them a lot better. Also, under the insights category, we have a lot of stuff on earnings, big tech, the outlook for gold, you know, that type of thing right now. Also, don't forget our prime income list, our dividend growth list. I got some really great ideas in there right, right this moment. Okay, so uh, also, also our top ideas, our our uh, our portfolios for uh, everything. So anyway, Lori Calcivina put out a new piece, what she calls her Monday morning quarterback, and I thought I'd just go over it. And she said a couple things that kind of worry me a little bit, and uh, I'll go over those in a second. 
Well, let's start right now. This is a live show, and if uh, you're interested, you you have a question. The the phone number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Anyway, Lori says this. The stock market is starting to remind her of 2018. That year, the S&P surged in January, driven largely by excitement of the passage of Trump's tax cuts. The unwind of the low of volatility trade and anxiety over the new trade war with uh, China then pressured stocks for the rest of the year. Uh, but they hit a new high in late September, and then stocks went on to tumble in the fourth quarter. So it'll be interesting to see if it continues that way. Uh, the cyclical trade had another good week this week, she said. And you know we've been talking about that barbell approach, which we're going to talk about in a second. And she also said that asset management positioning in U.S. equities has moved up sharply, you know, keeping on guard for return to, to uh, 2018 highs. Uh, that's in U.S. equities, that is, you know, the amount of money in U.S. equities. And she said, recent outperformance of U.S. equities bears watching closely. And that has to do with the dollar. We're going to talk about that, too. OK, so uh, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Now, um, a couple things that I think are kind of interesting and I, I you know, uh, our friends at Fundstrat, uh, Tom Lee and, and Rob Schleimer, great guys, uh, very smart guys, by the way, you know, they, they were talking about keeping the barbell approach to your portfolio. And that is, look, you've got to have technology. You've got to have uh, some, uh, some of the charts I've seen in technology scare the bejesus out of me. But, you know, the, the big, large technology is, is, you know, if you have a barbell, you have weights on each side. That's one of the weights. In the middle, you have your dividend growth portfolio, your prime income list, your consumer staples, you know, uh, those type of thing. And on the right-hand side, they're talking about having industrials, okay, basic materials. They have been outperforming lately, which makes sense. Uh, so the, the barbell approach that includes a mix of the FANG and secular growth stocks and the cyclicals are the overweight. And then in the middle, you're using defense, cash, staples, et cetera, okay? Uh, which makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, we take it from there. So uh, I, I think that uh, one of the things that most people don't understand is that we are coming up to September. And, uh, uh, you know, September is usually a bad month. But look, I want to go back a little bit. Our, you know, I always talked about gold would lead the way for commodities. And I had a couple of people call in and say, yeah, you're wrong. And eh, I was right. Uh, you know, gold went up about 100 bucks right after I said that. The dollar is extremely oversold, and I'm going to talk about it in the second half or the second part of the show. But copper broke over three, three bucks. The first time I've seen it uh, in a long, long time. So, you know, uh, that's interesting. That's a quadruple top breakout, by the way, which is very important. Um, you know, so I, I think that, uh, you know, you got to pay pretty close attention to that. But, uh, you know, technology is still number one in dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with. And consumer cyclicals, number two, that's basically Amazon. Uh, com communication services, energy, then healthcare, uh, real estate, and uh, consumer non cyclical are dead last. Okay. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're, you're looking at uh, some charts that are straight up versus, uh, um, you know, stocks that are not straight up. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where I think you have to um, really pay close attention to what's going on and, and, and 
be be wary of what's going on now. Look, uh, one of the things you have to know is that uh, our friends at uh, um, Dorsey Wright always talk about you know what's going on in the world, and we are talking about September now. Okay, so uh, I think what you have to pay attention to, in my humble opinion, is that September is a bad month <laughs> for equities. Uh, it's the only month that has a negative return uh, for the last hundred years, I, I believe. So it's one of those things where you have to uh, uh, pay pretty close attention to, uh, you know, what you're doing here. There's the, the average return um, for equities is, is not, you know, a wonderful, you know, a wonderful week or, t- or whatever, but it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you have to pay closer attention. And, you know, if you, if you go to a, uh, take a trip through September's past, um, you know, it hasn't been a great, great month for anything. Uh, now what's interesting is that if you look, the counter cyclical type investments do well for, you know, gold, Averages about a five percent return. Crude averages about a ten percent return. Bonds a mere one percent, but real estate about a three and a half. International stocks do well too, which is uh, uh, interesting. So uh, you got to remember, you know, during that period of time. And by the way, the two groups that really several groups get hit hard: semiconductors, aerospace have been you know bad. Leisure has been really bad. Uh, during that month. Um, and then we've had a couple, you know, when where the market's been up, where precious metals have been down. So it's not, you know, 100% precious metal going up, that type of thing. But, uh, you know, look, the domestic equity market has pushed up and, and uh, its average score is about 440. But it's still, if you look at domestic equities, it's still, you know, risen to a point where we're at like 92% overbought. Okay. Now, uh, one asset class that was very, very overbought was precious metals, and precious metals uh, are now just merely overbought. <laughs> All right, so it's one of those things. You're coming on se- September, you want to be a little bit more careful. Okay, so uh, just leave it at that. And then, uh, so what we'll do here is uh, we'll we'll switch and, and talk about something else. Uh, I, I do think that uh, you know, if I was a betting man. Uh, one of the things that people ask me all the time is, Tim, you know, what what is the you know value of your advice? Well, let me explain something to you. I have several clients that do they keep calling me and doing the wrong thing at the wrong time regularly. Okay. And and I'm telling you, uh if you if they would just step back, and I don't think they can do it, but if they would just step back. Uh, and take a look at things from the big big picture. Um, I think they they do a lot better in their portfolio. But look, when you're planning, you got to look at retirement goals. You know, if you have, need higher education, charitable, estate planning, uh, and that's what we study here at RBC. So I, I think you have to start to think about it, articulating your investment goals and strategies. You got to manage your portfolio and your asset allocation. You got to invest for the current income if you need it, and you got to grow assets also. So, uh, you know, what we do is we have experts everywhere doing that. Plus, we have people that are in the banking industry that are doing, you know, uh, uh, 
marvelous things, you know, with like credit lines, et cetera. But look, you should be, you know, one of the things I do is I talk to my people. I usually sit down with them right now. I can't do it, but uh, I conduct annual reviews. I try to adjust, you know, the financial plan based on their life events. That's why, you know, I like our wealth plan because it's interactive. All right. I offer uh, international wealth education. I mean, we got intergenerational uh, scenarios where I said international apologies. Uh, you know, I have the kids come in and, and talk to me. And, uh, you know, I, I've got 20 or 30 families that I do business with the whole family. You know, I mean, look, I got one young lady who's <laughs> quite young and, and she's she's going to be uh, she's going to run a company someday, I think. But uh, she's very bright and uh, it's fun talking to her and she has great ideas. Uh, some of them a little crazy, but, you know, that's OK. Uh, you know, sometimes crazy ideas work. All right. So but, you know, you got to look at where you should be putting things uh, at appropriate times. And you can look at the small picture of individual stocks. I look at the big picture of the entire market. So that's why we talk about advice, all right, uh, for the most part. Now, one of the things that we've been talking about, and I think this is a great piece, by the way, and if, if you're interested, please let me know, but FinTech, which is financial technology, it is the new normal in, with COVID. It's one of the new opportunities, okay? So it, the pandemic is driving increased adaption of this uh, thing. So what we're talking about is FinTech is no money. Okay, it's digital transactions. So, uh, you know, MasterCard uh, is, is the long-term global opportunities across multiple payment flows, including personal consumption expenditures or PCEs, peer-to-peer, business-to-business. There's hundreds of them, and uh, you know, there's there's lots of people involved here. So, I think there's some really good ideas in that area, which could be. Um, substantial over time, especially if the market corrects, because a lot of them have made a big run. Uh, you know, we're, we're not the only people talking about the digital transition, I, I don't think. So uh, I just think you have to be, you know, paying closer attention uh, to some of this stuff because it's big, you know. Um, you know, cloud computing, the cloud genie is accelerating out of the bottle, okay? Now, we talked about the cloud on this show in 2004, 2004, that was 17 years ago, or 16 years ago, I'm sorry. Uh, my math thinks on Saturday, sorry about that. Uh, but, you know, it's the new normal is not what we were talking about 16 years ago. So cloud developments are accelerating, and the penetration remains low. So that's, uh, you know, it, it ain't over till it's over. And no matter how many people say, oh, you know, some of these things are straight up, and some of them are, uh, you know, they'll correct, and then, then there'll be great buys. But look, Amazon still runs the business. They get 47% their web services. Microsoft's moving up fast with 13. And Google Cloud is, is at 4%. And the others, all the others combined are 36. So you know who's winning there. But I think what, what we have to talk about is, uh, you know, things are changing. And that's where you have to uh, pay attention. The digital world is here. Now, the other thing is the new normal is e-commerce. You're stuck at home. Retail therapy still works. <laughs> My wife talks about it all the time. All right. Um, the new normal, the new opportunities are out there in store-based retail and non-store retail growth. Okay. So uh, look, uh, you know, we have 
bought a printer because I need a printer now due to technical, you know, last week we had a computer problem and we didn't show up, obviously, if you uh, listen to my show. And uh, we had to do a rerun because my computer was down. Now we got a printer and everything's gone. So new opportunities will occur. And it's amazing how good some of the other companies, other than the one company that's dominating that area, are getting at retail. You know, there are some companies that will actually come to your car. They'll tell you what you, you tell them what you want to do. They will pack the car up with what you need, give you a detailed list of what they charged you, and you and they'll pack your car, and you never have to get out of your car. All right. So it's amazing stuff that's going on there. So it, you know, it, it's things that are are interesting. Now, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk in the second half a little bit about uh, the markets because I'm a little bit nervous. All right, so uh, let's, uh, you know, we're going to be back in a minute or two and, and talk about this, but stay tuned because I, I do think we uh, we have to talk about this in, in um, detail. <laughs> stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, it's a live show. It's 216 901 0945. That's 216-901-0945 to get in here if you've got a question. Stay tuned. Uh, let's take a break. Let's celebrate. We're going to have a good time tonight. All right, we're back. Uh, a little John Cougar Mellon chance to get you going. Um, so... Anyway, I, you know, look, there's some things that are starting to worry me a little bit, okay? And as you know, uh, my job is to be a professional worrywart, uh, especially with your money, all right? So, you know, last week I talked about the combined market uh, trend indicator that uh, our friends at Morgan Stanley use, and uh, it gave a sell signal, all right? Now, there's a couple other things starting to bug me. Now, I looked at the Bollinger Bands, and there's a thing called the Bollinger Band Width, okay? And, and it, went, it stays low. You're okay. And it's still low. Uh, so we're okay uh, in that area. Uh, however, I looked at the number of 52-week new highs, and uh, I would suggest that they uh, kind of underwhelmed. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're in the small caps, large caps, uh, mid caps, whatever. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't like that. They're still rising. That's the good news. But they're, they're underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> I guess is the the thing I that worries me to, uh, a little bit, and you know, I, I, if I could, uh, I talked about a couple other things, and I'm going to talk about them last. But uh, the dollar, you know, uh, did what? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's called a hammer candle, and it it did this before. It did this back in uh, oh boy, I think it was you know first week of June. Uh, the difference was the. Uh, the stochastic was still going down. The stochastic is just an overbought, oversold type indicator. Uh, now the stochastic is starting to turn. Stochastic is starting to turn up. So that's the one thing that I, I worry about. Um, a couple other things I'm worrying about is I looked at the, you know, like the Nasdaq advanced decline line, and they're right at their uptrend line, and we we're seeing more uh, negative days than we'd like to see, and we're also seeing it in the New York Stock Exchange index. Uh, I think it's actually broken its uptrend line, so that's not good. And then I look at the total advanced decline issues, and they've broken their uptrend line too, and it's all red. Uh, so those are things that uh, you know you don't really um, you don't really like if you're a bull. Okay, 
and, and long term, I'm still a bull. I just think short term, we're seeing some warning signs. You know, that's what Bob Dickey's been talking about for uh, uh, some time now. And look, uh, sometimes you need a second brain when you're investing. And uh, I think, you know, you need you need to to. Well, sometimes risk just comes out of a clear blue sky, uh, you know, and, and I think you got to be you know, paying attention to that. And, and one of the best ways to look at risk, I think, are, well, there's three ways. Number one, if, if I look at the equal weight chart, okay, the S&P 500 equal weight, that means each stock gets one vote. And the market capitalization weight, which is near a new high, or basically, you know, broke, broke above a, a new high, just barely. But the equal weight, so the other 500 stocks uh, are still down 12, 13%. Uh, that is not a good sign. And, uh, you know, the, like I said, the odd balance volume is not hitting new highs. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of things that most people would not like. And then if I look at the uh, the advanced, you know, uh, minus declines, it's it's a negative number. OK, so you're starting to see a lot of things that Tim doesn't like, <laughs> uh, especially, uh, you know, and people are wondering if they if they have. Uh, money with me why I have cash and this is the reason. Now the other thing is the McClellan oscillator and the McClellan indicator are both fairly negative right now. And what's really interesting is if you took 18 stocks out of it, they'd be positive. Take 18 stocks out, it'd be positive. In Warren Buffett, uh, you know, his favorite indicator is the if you take the Wilshire 5000 and you divide it by the GDP. What he wants is a number of one or below, okay? It's now 1.7. That's a pretty high number. And if you're wondering why Mr. Buffett is not spending a lot of money, that's why. It's been like that for a while. Now, the other thing is, if if you took 62 stocks out of the wheelchair, it'd be a 0.9. So you have a very small amount of stocks out there, uh, you know, leading the way, shall we say, and... Uh, I think it's something that you have to pay particular attention to. Um, so, look, um, I, I think the, there's a lot of investor worries out there. And, you know, some people think that the uptrends deteriorate. And I would say no. I would just suggest that there's, uh, you know, despite the surge in, in the equity markets, uh, you know, the momentum indicators are in overbought levels. So they're probably going to just you know, continue to go. You do have the Fed in your favor. That's good news. But I think the June lows are key uh, technical level for both growth and value. So I, I think that's important. Uh, I did notice that, you know, if I look, uh, the QQQs are going crazy on the upside, but the, the Russell 2000s are holding in there too, same with the mid-cap growth. So uh, that's a positive. Now, growth versus value is teetering. Uh, if you look at the mid-cap and the small-cap, uh, you know, the the growth versus value uh, leadership is showing some early signs of uh, diverging or breaking below the 50-day moving average. It's not the case with large cap growth, and it's due to about five stocks. What I thought was interesting is the relative performance of the Russell 2000 uh, has broken out and is still, you know, it, it's doing better than the S&P 500 right now. So just a couple things that you have to be thinking about. Now, the other thing is if I look at the retail ETFs, uh, they're very, very overbought. Now that you know, unfortunately, that's you know dominated by a couple stocks, and uh, 
three stocks to be exact. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, they're right at a place uh, where they they were the old high in 2018. And uh, it is a very fast, uh, scary type of move. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if it corrects or, or what happens. But, you know, I looked at the, the S&P 500 and the 400 discretionary sector, and I had a lot of stocks that, you know, were interesting uh, that still look good. OK, they weren't the ones that uh, were going crazy. Uh, but, you know, there was a couple that broke out variety that I thought were, you know, excellent scenarios. Uh, and so I, I think that's really interesting. I also think I look at some of the the fintech companies and a couple that have been going sideways for a couple of years uh, that are starting to break out. So there's some, there's some opportunity out there. And the question is, you know, how big of opportunity and uh, you know, where do we go from there? Uh, But I, I do think that consumer discretionary, some of the fintech ideas and some of the industrial ideas are still, you know, places that you want to take a look and, and, you know, I'm starting to see some, old retailers that haven't done anything for a long, long time start to bottom and start to turn up. Some that have corrected drastically. I've seen some restaurants that uh, have gone sideways for three, four years that are starting to turn up. So now I am seeing uh, the utility sector um, start to uh, lose some uh, get up and go. And uh, that may be, you know, a problem, who knows. But I, I do think that one of the things that I'm seeing is the dollar start to make uh, you know, the dollar is down quite a bit this year, is, and we've been talking about it for the last couple of uh, months. But uh, it is, like I said, you know, it, it did do a type of uh, the UUP, which is the dollar ETF, uh, did do uh, a hammer candle. And that's very positive as long as the stochastic is turning up, which it has. So, uh, look, the TLT, the bond ETF, is at the top of the trend line, it's two standard deviations above where it should, you know, where it normally is. So the question is, the monthly momentum is starting to peak now. So it will it turn down? That would mean that interest rates would go up a little bit, uh, which would be good, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, and that would probably cause the utility section, which we just talked about, to lose some steam, too. Uh, now, the utility has been in a nice uptrend since, I think, 2008, uh, you know, and, and on. Um and, you know, they've been one of the best performing sectors, but I think you, you want to pay attention. But uh, I, I do see the relative performance is continuing to deteriorate against the S&P 500. Now, remember, if these deteriorate too much, you want to buy yield when it's up. OK, so this is an area for you people who are out there that are looking for, you know, income that if the yield continues to to sell off, I think you have to, you know, pay much more attention to it because it's it's one of those things where uh you know like i said when yield is up that's when you when you buy yield devices not when yield is down like it is right now but i i am starting to see uh like i said the the two-year trend uh on a lot of the xrt is is turned around now it's it's kind of extended at this point but i'm starting to see the other names you know, move in, uh, uh, in in conjunction with some of the bigger names. Okay, so retail is coming back in certain areas, which is uh, that's a big positive. So I uh, see retail and fintech. That's why I brought I brought fintech up today. Fintech is starting to look good again. 
I'm also starting to see a lot of these smaller names that uh, that some of our really good analysts like have held up really well, like uh, like Matt Mahaney, or Mark Mahaney, who's in, on CNBC all the time. You see him up there. He's always talking about uh, the big the big consumer uh, software companies, uh, you know, the Apples, the the Amazons, those type of names. And then uh, Matt Hedberg, who's one of our really good analysts uh, in in the software the corporate software area. Uh, these guys have hit the home runs. Uh, I mean, you know, two years ago, I talked about our software conference, our technology conference. If you would have bought their top picks, I think the average one is up 300% in two years. Not bad. So also, there's an area I think that's starting that got sold off very, very quickly. And I'm not sure why, but it's I'm starting to see money flow back in. That's biotechnology. And, you know, today's biotechnology is not your your parents biotechnology a lot of these guys have dividends uh and they and they grow them in a really good way so they've come back to support and they look pretty good they're starting to turn up um one of one's my favorites in the large cap area and a lot of small cap stocks right at support it'll be interesting to see how they do so let's take a break uh we'll be right back with the bullish percent stay tuned this is the smart investor show i'm tim hayes All right, we're back. And, uh, you know, this is the time in the show where we uh, usually talk about the bullish percent and, and do a review of what our friends at Dorsey Wright are thinking on a weekly basis. And uh, they're good folks, man. I'm telling you, they're smart folks and they're good folks. I, I, uh, the, the NASDAQ bought them a while back and they're, they're, they're living up to their reputation, which is always good. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, there's some interesting things that go on. Uh, <laughs> From time to time, and and as we've seen, you know, this pandemic has uh, uh, really uh, set the housing market on fire. You know, because people have shifted from work uh, and school and into their homes, and so you couple that with low interest rates, and this has encouraged many people to re-enter the housing market. As a matter of fact, it's it's encouraged a lot of people to move out of cities, uh, especially with all the violence that's been going on and the you know the riots and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I, I just can't people. People are justified, and I'm and I'm not sure why, but uh, you know that's what it is. But if you know, if you look at total new housing starts, uh, you know, which had just died, you know, this year, uh, and it died last year too. They reversed up fast, you know, and it's it's interesting because uh, they're very close to breaking a double top or an all time high, which you know, uh, back in obviously 2006 and seven, you know, we went to an all time low. Uh, but uh, we're we're closing in on it, you know. Anyway, so uh, total housing starts. So the housing stocks have been doing well. The mortgage brokers probably are doing pretty well too. I would suggest. So we talk about the bullish percent on this show pretty regularly, and the reason we talk about it is it's our main risk guide. And look, uh, it's a very simple process. Uh, it, it's a it's a chart that was invented by Charles Dow's protege back in the 30s. And he wanted to be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. So it goes from zero to 100. And, and when you get over 70, that's the red zone. Okay, that's when everything's too hot to handle. And you got to be, that's when you should be nervous. 
All right. When everything's good, you should be nervous. When everything's bad, you should be greedy. When you get below 30, that's the green zone. You know, back in March 20, March 23rd, we were at five. And I said, don't get too bearish. It's time to buy. All right. Five is one of the lowest readings I've ever seen. All right. Now uh, we're at 69.5 or very close to 70. Uh, we're still in a column of X's, though. So let's go to that point. So you have X's and O's on this chart. X's means the offensive team is on the field. Now, if you're at 70, which we're basically are right now, I don't think you want to be throwing the long, long bomb. <laughs> right? uh, you know, it's the bottom of the ninth and you got two men on. You go for the home run or you try to knock them in. Okay, so that type of thing. When, uh, when we get below 30, you know, then you can throw the long bomb. But uh, the, a column of O's is usually distributions. And trust me, distribution occurs a lot quicker than accumulation. Okay? So we're still in a column of X's. That's the, you have the offensive team on the field. I'll just be careful what, what we're doing. Okay? The other thing, uh, the over-the-counter index did go into a column of X's last week. Uh, it's at 55, so that's a pretty good uh, area. The over-the-counter index is the smaller names. You know, the micro caps have been doing extremely well. Uh, the small caps, the smaller end of the small caps, have been doing uh, extremely well. The world indexes are still in a column of O's at 52. They will not reverse up until 54. Be interesting to see what happens. So basically nothing changed over the week. Uh, but three of the four major positive trend indicators did, n did not experience change at all. So you have a lot of stocks going up, you get a few stocks going up, you get a lot more going down is what I'm trying to do. And, and the high-low indicators remain in very high field position, meaning they're very overbought. So you've got to be careful of any kind of turnaround uh, in that, that area. As far as we, the dynamic asset level investing this week, I think you've got to pay particular attention here. Domestic equities jumped over cash, which was in the lead two weeks ago. Now, so the top group is fixed income. The second is domestic equities. But I believe uh, we're only like two votes away from uh, – um, uh, no, nine votes, I'm sorry, away from jumping over fixed income. So – It'd be interesting to see if domestic equities can do that. The bogey check, so, you know, are they better than cash? Uh, fixed income and domestic equities are the, the two that uh, passed that. And commodities and international equities passed it this week, too. So it's, uh, it's broadening out a little bit. And one thing I will say is if you look at, you know, what they recommend is the, the cash position, it's down to below 10 percent, at 9.2 percent. So, uh, cash, you know, is minimal at this point. Uh, usually it takes about a week or two of selling off, by the way, before they turn things around. Uh, so I'll just leave it at that. Uh, but I looked at most of the indexes and they all look fairly good. Uh, you know, the uh, EEM uh, was was one that was positive for 14 weeks, been negative for a couple of weeks now. But most of the bigger large cap indexes have been positive for four weeks now, five weeks. Uh, the small caps, mid caps, they've all been that way uh, with the uh, XLG and the QQQs I mean, and the XLG and the uh, Dow Jones and the, uh, the the ETF trust, not the equal weight, but the S&P 500, you know, uh, market capitalization weight. They've all been for about five weeks now. Uh, the only one that's been negative is the QQQs, which has been the, the leader for a while. So uh, uh, although. Two of the stocks influenced it to hit a new high this week, which is, uh, you know, I mean, the charts are extended. I'll just suggest that. Uh, so, so this week we have 22 sectors that are that are favored. 
we have nothing below 40 that is favored. So most of this stuff is overbought, so you should wait on it. But you always want to be in the favored sectors simply because that's where the money's flowing, okay? So you'll find that the worst stock in a favored sector will probably outperform the best stock in an unfavored sector. Uh, look, there's some exceptions to that, and you know I'm the first one to admit it. Uh, but you, you just got to understand that's the way it works. So at 80, we have machinery and gaming. That's a big number. I would definitely wait on those, although they're favored. Uh, at 74 is business, products, housing, chemicals, semiconductors, autos, and buildings. Uh, uh, buildings. At 70 is electronics and retail, uh, restaurants. At 64 is aerospace. Still be waiting on all these. And then at uh, at 60, you know, you can start to look here. It's healthcare, leisure, telecom, uh, computers, waste management, retail, and steel. And then at 54 is precious metals, financials, software, and in the Internet. So that's, that's the lowest we have. So th things are pretty overbought right now is what I'm suggesting. So just, you know, make sure you're, you understand that, uh, you know, don't. You know, it's not not a time to put 100% of your your uh, money to work. I don't think, my humble opinion. Now, gaming went to favored uh, status this week, and and restaurants went to favored status. I noticed quite a few restaurants, and and you know that's consumer discretionary, and quite a few retail companies, retail uh, sellers of clothes and and uh, wood and and all sorts of stuff. Uh, Wall Street went to uh, average, uh, which was interesting, and forest and paper products, which have been on a tear. Uh, move from most favored just to average uh, this week. So there we go. Now, uh, emerging markets and international small caps uh, have been making a, a really nice move. And I think that's that's important because they, uh, you know, Dorsey Wright, if you have a score of 350, that's a very positive uh, scenario. Actually, over three, but I, I look at 350. So these have just broken above where they were back in, in 2019. So uh, that's mostly due to the dollar. And uh, I think you have to be, you know, real, pay very close attention to that because the dollar rallies, these things are going to sell off. What's really interesting is emerging market small caps have been going crazy. Uh, they, you know, they started off uh, at the bottom here at 27, and now they're at 44. That's a pretty big move. Now, we've been, you know, we actually recommended these in the EEMs, uh, you know, back at uh, 37. So we're only up uh, like seven bucks because, you know, if you wrote them down, but that's kind of interesting. Now, fixed income is really interesting because after completing a bearish signal reversal last week, uh, the first buy signal has occurred in the Treasury 10-year yield index. And that means they think the yield is going up. Okay. Uh, the TNX, which is the five-year, reversed down on its default. So what it's doing uh, and, and this, I, I think this has something to do with the dollar. Uh, what you're seeing is the yield curve is starting to get more normal. Okay, it, it was very flat for a period of time there, so now it's getting to be a little bit more normal. Now, and Tuesday's trading last week that the U.S. dollar index printed an O at 92.5 percent on its default chart, and that that's making a 10 point decline since it peaked at 102. Back in March, that's a pretty big move for a dollar or any kind of currency. This has given us multiple consecutive sell signals. However, like I said, you know we're we're seeing some things that might mean uh, you know we're at the bottom of uh, you know we had a couple 
uh, candlestick that we we usually see uh, at the bottom. Okay, now in point and figure charts, until they put on an X, it's still in a downtrend. So as far as the point and figure charts are concerned, we're still in a downtrend for the dollar. Remember, if the dollar rallies, the commodities will sell off, and so won't the international stocks. Okay, because uh, they're based in uh, dollar terms. All right. So just remember that. So uh, anyway, uh, if if I looked at uh, the asset class group for fixed income, I would say corporate bonds, inflation protection, and global income short duration are the top three uh, that I'd be looking at for for all those all you people out there. And then uh, you know crude has been negative for seven weeks, and gold's been positive for seven weeks. I would say gold would lead the way. One thing I noticed is the Invesco commodity index, the DBC, did break its downtrend line this week. That's pretty big as far as I'm concerned. Remember, commodities have been nowhere since 2009. Uh, they're down almost 80%. Uh, so if, if, if you continue, if we continue like that, it would be a, a pretty big, I think, important scenario. It'd be a big change. Uh, that would probably sell off now if the dollar rallies. So if the dollar rallies up for a while, relieves its oversold position, and then go sideways for a while, commodities could pick back up. We always talk about relative strength, and uh, relative strength is just uh, how a stock uh, does compared to something else. In this case, it's the Equal Weight Index. A couple names here, Bell Fuse, uh, Gildenware, Activeware, uh, Goler LNG, Haverty Furniture, Alpha and Omega Semiconductor, Natural Gas Services, Portfolio Recovery Associates, uh, Stellar Biomedicine, and... Uh, yeah, that's it. We have several cells, but I don't think we have time for them. So anyway, we're going to be right back with Insider Buys and Bob Dickey. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is Smart Investor Show. We just tuned in. And, uh, you know, so uh, we talk about insiders a lot. And uh, so why? Well, insiders are simple. You know, you have to know. I mean, they know better than us. They, they know they see the sheets before we do. They see the new products before we do. They see changes in growth rates before we do. They have more information. So when you see large insider buys, you should pay attention. Okay, it's that simple. And so here's here, I got a couple names that I mean, there's a lot of insider buying right now. And by the way, there, there's a really good uh, report out. It's a white paper, and it's amazing how many people are bearish. Yet the insiders are bullish. I want you to think about that for a while. There's more cash on the sidelines than any other time in history, and the insiders are buying like there's no tomorrow. Interesting. Anyway. Uh, so we had pers- uh, Personalia, which is a biotech. We had Lightspeed Venture Partners. They own 10% of the company, by the way. They bought up 1.3 million shares, which is about $25 million. Usually, venture capitalists are selling. Okay? And this is at a new high. It came public back in June. It's now at a new high in the 20s. That's very important. Also, uh, J&J Snack Foods. Uh, it's around 132. Uh, the CEO, Jerry Schreiber. 
bought 141,000 shares at 18 million, and he has a lot. And then Charles Davis is back at uh, Actus Capital. They're in the property casualty area. Remember, he he bought back uh, last week, and this week uh, he bought another. Uh, let's see, he, he on the 18th he bought uh, 300,000 shares. I'm sorry, sorry, three. 350,000 shares for 60 million. Then on the 19th, he bought 201,000 for 9.2 million. And then he, on the 20th, he bought another 300,000 shares for 13 million. So Axis. And here's the Baker Brothers again, uh, one of the best biotech groups I've seen. Uh, they bought Kodiak Sciences again. Now, Kodiak is down uh, from its high. Uh, they bought 139,000 shares on August 21st. Uh, which is about six million, and by the way, they bought fifty million dollars worth a while back. Uh, and on the twentieth, they bought another sixty thousand shares for another two point eight billion. Uh, also, uh, we have uh, McLaughlin uh, Murdo from Fox, who bought uh, about six million dollars with the stock uh, this week, and he's uh, one of the sons. Uh, and then Richard Kinder at Kinder Morgan is again, you know, if oil's so bad, uh, there's a lot of insider buying at oil. Richard Kinder's smart money. Uh, he, he bought $5.3 million worth of Kinder Morgan, and, and that's not his first, you know, buy. I mean, he's bought a lot. And then Avis, I noticed there were several uh, buys by SRS Investment. Uh, they bought $4.1 million, then they bought uh, $2 million, then they bought uh, – Another uh, 1.4 million. So, uh, you know, a lot of buying there, and uh, you'd like to see that. Um, the rent a car business has been in kind of a tough spot. Also, uh, Red Rock Resorts, I think the entire uh, Fritita family bought, um, you know, they, they bought last week, I mentioned it, and then they bought a whole bunch more. Frank who's the chief executive officer, bought another $1.5 million this week. And Lorenzo, who's uh, the vice president, bought another $1.4 million. Uh, so they've been buy- they bought uh, probably uh, you know, $20 million of the stock last week. So uh, you like to see that. Um, also, uh, uh, Bulgari Holdings, which is in the restaurant area, you know, uh, Sadar, uh, who's chairman and CEO, he bought 1.1 million, and then uh, two days later, he bought another 780,000. So there we go. And then um, uh, Duluth Capital BDC, which is a company uh, that lends money to small companies in, in return for stock and, and bonds. Uh, David Galoob, Larry Galoob, uh, David Galoob, you know, uh, they all bought. Uh, and then they, they came back uh, two days later and bought a bunch more uh, to the tune of about six million bucks. Um, and then uh, also we mentioned this company before. It's NGM Biopharmaceuticals and the Column Group, which I believe uh, owns a lot of it already, uh, bought uh, about $1.2 million worth. And then, uh, uh, you know, I think they bought a month ago a bunch of it. And then they came back and bought another million dollars worth. So uh, just a couple names that uh, I've been showing up on my charts, uh, you know, by the way, I think the NGM was bought by Column Group like eight times last week, just so to verify. Uh, Marcus Lemonis, remember he was buying Camping World at eight nine dollars. Is now thirty five. He went out and bought a couple hundred thousand more shares at a new high. I think that's important. It's a interesting looking chart. Uh, also, uh, uh, Spock Holdings, which is a telecom group, 
uh, has been showing up and there's several uh, people buying there and 10x uh, uh, armist- armist- armistice capital I'm sorry has bought quite a bit of uh, stock there so uh, we, we have quite a few people uh, you know still still buying insider wise so those are things you have to pay you know very very close attention to as far as I'm concerned um, now uh, uh, sorry my machine's not working the way I want you know, uh, I had some questions last week about, you know, uh, what groups uh, we should be buying and, you know, where uh, where we should be buying, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, it's hard because, like I said, you know, we're seeing a big move in consumer cyclicals. So people are starting to, uh, uh, how should we say, uh, eh, you know, they're they're buying the big names, uh, but they're also starting to buy some of the small names. But look. Um, we've had some excess in the stock market lately, and I think it's got to be taken care of uh, before we get a big, big move up again. So, uh, and it's some of the stocks that, you know, it's almost panic buying in some of these names. And I was reading, you know, two things. It's it's basically uh, the S&P 500 funds and the QQQs uh, buying these names up, but it's also the Robinhood. And Robinhood is a discount broker, is zero commissions, and they're gambling. Now, I can tell you stories about 2000 and my having a beer with my neighbor, and he had two guys that were day trading. And I looked at them, I said, you'll be broken six, uh, I said a year. And they got really mad at me. And it turns out it was three months later, they were, you know, they were bankrupt. So I, I think uh, you got to be careful when you start to see moves from, uh, pe- you know, people like that. But, you know, Look, there's been some sharp moves to the upside and more and more speculative stocks, I think, and, and you got to pay close attention to that. Um, and I, I think, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're looking at, at things that uh, really have uh, made moves that are, are fairly ridiculous in a very short period of time. But look, if you look at the top, the top occurred at around 29,300 or 2,700. So, the only group that's really broken out to a new high has been the the uh, the QQQs. Now, you know, are they going to save the best for last? I don't know. But I think, you know, we're on a shaky foundation. Like I said, the advanced decline line is not where I would like it to be. Uh, it's not, you know, moving on ahead. And you've got the equal weight index with the possibility of making a lower high. Uh, you know, and and like I said, you know, you've got the McQuellen oscillator. Uh, you know, basically, you know, eight stocks are up, and the, and the McQuellen oscillator is down. And Warren Buffett's famous forecaster, and that's the wheel shear five uh, five thousand versus the GDP. And the GDP, uh, it's now at one point seven. You know, Warren will always tell you he likes to buy when it's point seven or point eight or point nine. Uh, so it's way up there. So we've we've got some you know, warning signs. Okay. And the bullish percent is 69.5. So uh, if it gets over 70 and versus back down, that's usually a uh, pretty bad sign. So, um, you know, I, I did forget uh, two people on the, on the insider buy. So I'll mention them right now. Pfizer. I saw the first insider buy in a long, long time. And one of the directors bought 13,000 shares uh, at 36. Also Upwork. There's a guy named Greg Gresh who's been buying quite a bit. He bought it, you know, the, the company came out with earnings. They were dynamite. They have a new CFO. Whenever you say the CFO is gone, they automatically think there's something wrong. They beat the stock up. 
The CFO is Jeff McComb, by the way. He used to work for Facebook. Uh, he was big in their front, way up. I think he was comptroller. And by the way, he took the sell-off to buy 274,000 shares. And uh, Greg Gresh, who's uh, bought another 300,000 shares. So he's bought almost $9, $10 million. Greg is a venture capitalist. Also, Aquabounty uh, did a secondary and uh, a director. And also Randall Kirk, who's pretty smart money, each bought $4 million. And Randall Kirk also bought Persigen, uh, 1.2 million shares or $5.3 million. So a couple of extra ones there. So what I'm trying to tell you in so many words is uh, with the time we have remaining is that, you know, you've got to be paying close attention, I think, to some of the indicators out there that are showing they're, they're flashing yellow. Okay. So I'm not saying stop, just saying flashing yellow. <laughs> All right. So what would I do in the meantime? Well, if you go to WHK 1420, you go to local podcast, you go down to Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, you go directly my go directly my webpage, or are you business owners out there? The Business Owner's Guide to Transition, the Family Inventory Workbook, what a better time to get financials in, in, in order, our wealth plan, what a great idea, interactive, credit access lines, the savvy investor's use of credit, what a great notebook, credit access lines right now, you're taking advantage of the system at that point. Also, don't forget, at my webpage, Insights, there's all sorts of stuff about earnings, big tech, and the outlook for gold. And then you can also get our top ideas, our dividend growth portfolio, and our prime income list. If you'd like to have a conversation, please hit the uh, uh, contact me or email me, and I'll, I'll be in touch. Uh, in the meantime, be careful out there. The bullish percent's up there. Have a great weekend. Beautiful day. Get out there. In the meantime... This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.